When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, our look back at the third day's play from Adelaide. Simon, can we just cancel this podcast? It's going badly for England. It's going so badly. It's going to all our worst predictions, our worst fears have been realised. England are, are being hammered from all sides. What what can what can we say? What can we say that's encouraging at all? Uh, not a great deal, I think, from a, from an England perspective. I mean, the, the, the two players who have stood up have been David Milan and Joe Root. And a, a quick resume of today's play: they came out and batted beautifully in the morning session or the first session of the day. 123 runs for no wickets at lunch from 32.2 overs. I mean, riches beyond their wildest dreams, really. If you'd offered England that at the start, I mean, even they, I think, could barely believe uh, what they were about to achieve. So at lunch, 140 for two, and then Australia tightened up, line changed ends, the inevitable collapse, wickets going down, some of them frittered away, Milan out for 80, Root for 62, and Australia putting the skids under England. They were bowled out under lights, for 236, Ben Stokes, the penultimate man out for 34, forced to have a hack at uh, Green and was bold. Stuart Broad, last man out, skying off Stark, who finished with four for 37. Australia didn't enforce the follow-on. They batted under lights and they weren't in too much trouble against a, a rather lacklustre England. And they, the one wicket that did fall was to a run out when Harris and Warner had a big mix-up and Warner uh, was run out. So Australia with a big lead. 282 runs ahead, nine wickets in hand, two days to go, and it's hard to see any other result than an emphatic Australia victory. Well, our predictions from yesterday were actually quite close. Uh, we, we both said round about 20 for one Australia in their second innings, and their 45 for one. The only thing is, you said that uh, England wouldn't probably save the follow-on and would be conceding a large lead. And I said England would save the follow-on and, and wouldn't be conceding a large lead. So you were closer than I was there. I said my prayers uh, at the gospel choir carol service uh, last night. Uh, they haven't worked because it was... it was. I, 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 would, I don't want to say pitiful, the way England collapsed, but it was predictable. And, and it was so disappointing because that that sort of post-lunch or post-first session 
situation was so encouraging. And it was a false hope, wasn't it? Because they just seemed to get mesmerised as, as ever by Nathan Lyon. And then, you know, wickets fall at the other end. And there just seems to be a sort of inevitability about it, doesn't there? Which... It's frustrating. I know the pitch actually isn't that easy. I mean, I will say that. I think this pitch, even from the start of the first day, it did something. And you have to hand it to the exemplary batting of Australia to to get to what they did, 470-odd in the first innings. It's not a 470-odd pitch, is it? Well, Australia showed great discipline on the first day. I think you know that was the day they really won. 221 mm. for two on the, on the first day. They toughed it out. It wasn't great cricket it was turgid and we you know I said at the time rather tongue-in-cheek it was a bit like watching two teams uh, battle out a nil-nil draw in, in, a, in a football match or at least play for nil-nil and try and nick one on the break well you know Australia did really nick one on the break effectively in that first day because they you know they managed to resist England only losing those two wickets and just built the base really from which they could build on the the, the second day and you know some if you bat for two days or best part of two days you know generally in the modern game you're looking at 550 600 but they, they they found it hard to to score and build that you know really massive score is big enough and, it, and it, well it, it often is with England these days because their batting is so brittle but and there was so much encouragement I mean Milan and Root uh, in, you know, in their contrasting styles. Milan was a bit flirty, actually. I mean, he, he, but he played some nice shots down the ground. He cut, and that was actually his ultimate downfall. But he also had two cut shots outside the offside that went just past his leg stump you know, during his inning. So he, he could easily have, have played on. So he had a, a bit of good fortune. But he, he does seem, you know, he's, he's well organised enough, isn't he? And, and he's confident enough. And I, th- I think it's helped the fact that he did get those runs in Australia last time. He likes the conditions here, or the, these type of conditions. And I also think it's helped that he's got runs in T20 cricket. I think that's, you know, he, he believes that he has a place at international level. And the fact that he's still, the, the, he's gone back to being the world's number one T20 player, you know, he's, it must be good for your confidence, isn't it, as, you, as he's tried out to bat, that you, you have success in one form and you've had a bit of success in the other and you, and you can make it work. And, you know, he's got a couple of 80s and I think he's quite pleased, you know, with the way he's going. And what you, what you need from him, of course, though, is to go on and make a, make a hundred, do, you know, produce the sort of scores that Australian batsmen generally produce. I mean, Labuschagne making 100 in this game, admittedly Smith and Warner are just missing out, and Warner missing out as well at the Gabba. But it needs someone to, for England, if they get in, to score 150, and that, that's the bottom line. So I suppose, the mo- in a way, the most disappointing dismissal was Joe Root, because you felt while he was there, there's a, you know, there's a confident solidity about England's batting. But he, he tried to run one from Green. It ju- it, Green just got one to bounce a bit and move away a fraction. It was only just enough. And root edging it to slip, and from that from that moment, you just thought, I don't know, it's, it's a really strange feeling. 153 suddenly, and you just thought, well, England are suddenly under pressure here. Lyon was bowling to two left-handers, so he could put them under pressure, Milan and and, and Stokes, and Australia just they they bowled lots of maidens, and England just went nowhere in that middle session, and they just they were unable to recover. They just buckled under the pressure. Look, the stats don't lie. Joe Root has scored more than a thousand runs more than the next person in the England batting team this year. He's scored. Look, is he getting on for seventeen hundred runs now in the uh, the calendar year? And the next is four hundred and fifty. Rory Burns or something like that. I mean, the the difference, the disparity is quite mm. extraordinary. Now there are one or two mitigating factors, like for instance Ben Stokes who would have been the second probably in that list, hasn't played much Test cricket this year because of his uh, uh, sitting out uh, quite a few matches. 
But still, the, the discrepancy is extraordinary. Um, I mean, one can't praise Root highly enough. Interestingly, he seems to have found a slight nemesis in Cameron Green. And you, you identified him as uh, someone who was a potential threat, I think, more with the bat uh, in, in this series as a number six. He hasn't made a run. But his bowling is is definitely a threat. And I think for two reasons um, that, that Root finds him hard. One, obviously because of his extra height. And tall bowlers, very tall bowlers, are hard to to gauge their length. And you get drawn into playing at balls you shouldn't play at against tall bowlers because it takes that bit longer to pick up the line and the length because of the height of their release. And the other thing is... He bowls from very close to the stumps, rather similar to Glenn McGrath, how Glenn McGrath used to bowl. And uh, because he bowls with his left foot more or less on leg stump at the non-striker's end, he can bowl pretty much wicket to wicket. And it makes you, it draws you into playing at balls you shouldn't play at, which clearly, in this case, Root has. Well, a couple of times he's played at balls he didn't need to play at and, and obviously edged behind. But, it, uh, you know, I will say just one other thing, and that is that... Um, we talked in, in the previous podcast about England's inadequacy generally because of the county structure, because of the fact that batsmen have to bat at the beginning and the end of the summer when the pitches are nibbling around and medium paces get all the wickets. Uh, and therefore, you know, their, their technique against better, quicker bowling isn't particularly good and they're not sure what to leave and what to play. I also think the scheduling of the cricket county championship is is denying batsmen, English batsmen, the chance to play against good spin, because there isn't much good spin, you know, around. And uh, Simon Harmer would be the one honourable exception playing for Essex. So therefore, England's especially younger batsmen are not very good against spin. I mean, Root is outstanding, but the rest can't really handle Nathan Lyon. You can look at Ollie Pope; he doesn't really know what to do. He's shuffling up and down the wicket and he looks fidgety and on edge. I don't think Stokes plays spin all that well. Again, he hasn't been exposed to it all that much, certainly not in county cricket. And, you know, lower order players just look like sitting ducks against Nathan Lyon, who is an excellent bowler, but he's not unplayable and nobody plays a shot against him. He bowls 14 overs for 17 runs or something, which is just Mm. allowing him to totally dictate. And that surely is a product of English batsmanship just not being exposed to good spin. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a problem for a while now, and it's something we've highlighted many times on, on this podcast. I mean, where are the top-class spinners? Where are the Nathan Lyons? I mean, if England had Lyon in their side, you know, at least they'd better control an end and, and also be a threat. I, and I really felt that Lyon was going to have an influence on this game, and he, he already has in this first innings. He could have an even bigger influence in the second innings. The ball is turning and bouncing. And it's a good point you make about in- England playing against... Lion, you know they have struggled. Traditionally, they've struggled. I mean, you know, he's over 400 Test wickets because last Australian summer, Lion was up against the Indian batsmen, and they are good players of spin, and they were able to master him. He he took his wickets, at, you know, at quite high cost, and that's one of the reasons why India were able to come to Australia and win because Lion wasn't able to control the game in quite the same way as he's able to do against England. But he, you know, he did it last time, and he's you know, and he's doing it again. And I think this is a nice pitch for him to bowl on. He's got a very good record at the Adelaide. Oval. Oval. You know, he's, he's high up on the list of, of test wicket takers at the Adelaide Oval. And w- what was interesting today, he bowled in the morning session and he was relatively innocuous. Root did take him on. He hit him back over his head early on. It was, so I think it was a second over, first ball, Root down the pitch, bang, over over towards long on. It would have been a six on most grounds, but not the Adelaide Oval because the, the long straight boundaries are, are so vast. Um, and then... 
I don't know whether something was said at lunchtime or, or during the first break in the Australian dressing room. It was a completely different attitude when they came out. They squeezed in, line changed ends, and actually got a bit more turn and bounce. You know, bowling from the from the other end, from the the commentary box, the the cathedral end of the ground, and Australia were away. One, you know, and once Green got rid of Root, they were just able to squeeze. And and I and I agree with you. I mean, Pope he just looks out of sorts against spin, and and Butler's shot. Well, it, it was just so predictable. Full length ball from start, big drive, nicked off. You know, he was on naught for a long time. And he's just having one, of, he's having a Burns test match, isn't he? Butler, he, he dropped a catch, he's got a duck. And, you know, it, it, it must, it must, un, it must have undermined you. You dropped, catch, you dropped simple catches, it, it's bound to undermine you. You know, just scramble your mind or whatever. And I actually, I was actually watching Butler in the nets the other evening, on the, on the evening before the game. And he, he he was he was nicking them and you know not middling them and you know he, he was out sort of three or four times you know while I was what I say out you know out in the net sense, and so I don't know whether he's, he's lacking confidence although you know he did play quite well in that uh, first innings at, at the Gabba but you know you you wonder whether this might be his last series as England's wicketkeeper batsman I mean he's such a talented player. Um, and it might be a bit premature, but I, I mean, are we getting to the stage where you know England are going to have to change their batting lineup for the next Test match? I mean, we'll probably wait and see what happens in the second innings. But I, I don't give them much hope of surviving this Test match. No, <clears throat> I mean, lots of criticism of Butler. Um, people, perhaps rather unfairly, saying you know he's not only the uh, not a very good batsman in Test cricket, but he's not the best keeper England have either. They're claiming that Bairstow is better. I don't think there's much to choose between them keeping wise actually. And Bairstow hasn't had a, a great run of, of runs in in Test cricket either. I suppose in the end, Ben Folkes has got to be the solution. Uh, it, you know, in a way, partly because England's bowling attack is largely focused on perseverance and attrition and maintaining a, a consistency and getting you know the odd chance to take wickets especially abroad and you've got to be able to accept those chances and if you miss them it just deflates the team and you have to wait another 20 overs before another chance so you do need your best keeper I think especially overseas in England where the bowlers can generate a lot more chances because of the consistency of the Duke's ball and the more kind of conducive conditions to bowl in maybe you don't need your best keeper because there are going to be more chances even if you miss a few and you want someone who can make an impact with the bat but perhaps overseas where you know chances are less common less regular you do want your best keeper because you don't yeah. want those chances to be shelled yeah no, it's a re- it's a really interesting point actually you, you do feel here that chances are a premium so if you drop one it feels like a massive moment whereas in England yeah you always feel there's another chance uh, just around the corner it's, it, yeah uh, I mean England were able to I mean they created I mean Lamashane was out four times wasn't he in his innings uh, so, that, so they, they were able to sort of knock him off um, quite quickly. So that in a way, the butler drop, um, it, it wasn't that costly, uh, really. But you know, it, it, you're right, it does, it does feel so deflating. Well, the second one wasn't costly, but the first one was. And you had quite a difficult chance on, on 21. And you, you feel, I don't know, you, would folks call that? You don't know, do you? you just, it's impossible to say. But yeah, so there are, there are England do create fewer chances here. So every time there's one dropped, the scrutiny inevitably is so much greater. Well, if you're English, you're probably not feeling like a beer right now. But cheer yourself up and order some craft beers for the festive period from Beer 52. 
Beer 52 are a craft beer supplier like no other, sending experts around the globe to find the best beer available anywhere on the planet. And in true Christmas spirit, Beer 52 are offering listeners of this podcast 10 free beers. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com cricket and cover £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. Each month, Beer 52 members receive a new case, usually from a different part of the world. Members have had beers from more than 40 countries in the past few weeks. As well as the excellent beer, you'll also get two tasty snacks supplied with your free case. Go to beer52.com cricket. After claiming your free case, you'll join the monthly beer club, £24 a month, no minimum commitment, pause or cancel any time, and enjoy. Now, part of your BBC commentary team is uh, Ian Chappell, uh, you know, who's probably quite... I mean, I, I've noticed a mellowness in him over the last few years. You know, he's a kind of dyed-in-the-wool Aussie and, uh, you know, obviously an interesting re- kind of history to Ian Chappell in a way. His grandfather was Vic Richardson, who played in the Bodyline series and was tormented by Larwood and Vos and so on and obviously humiliated by, by England in that series. And then Chapel himself, the grandson of Vic Richardson, came into the captaincy of Australia in the 70s and really wanted to exact a revenge for all the bodyline tales he'd heard from his grandfather. And so he unleashed Lillian Thompson on on England, obviously, in that famous 74-75 series. And, and he clearly has, has been keen to you know crush England every time he's played. But Actually, as a commentator over the last few years, I think he sort of he almost sounds a bit more sympathetic to England's plight. Do do you see it like that? Well, it might be because he's commentating on the BBC, so he sort of, he knows his audience. Um, but he's he's still pretty forthright. I'm interested to see what his commentary is like on ABC, where he probably you know, probably gives the Poms both barrels. Yeah, I mean, seventy five Test matches, thirty as captain, sixteen as Ashes captain. Ian Chappell, but I mean, he's still pretty forthright. He doesn't think Joe Root's a great captain, and he doesn't think Josh Butler should be England's uh, wicketkeeper. He, th- he thinks it should be folks. You, know, you always pick, pick your best wicketkeeper, is what he says. But I mean, we are in the, the modern game. You know, they have to be able to bat as well. Of course, folks can bat, and he's got a test century. Um, you know, England might revisit that. It's funny, actually, when I think back, you know, quite a few years ago now, and it's, it's going back three or four or five years ago, Johnny Bairstow was England's w- wicketkeeper. Uh, batsman. He was batting at number seven, and it was going well. But they wanted more from Bester with the bat, and they, they were perhaps they had problems elsewhere. They gradually pumped, bumped him up the order, bumped him up the order, and it hasn't it hasn't worked. And uh, for me, Bester's wicketkeeper batsman was working, but he was forced to up the order to sort problems out elsewhere. And you know they haven't quite solved that problem. Uh, with their wicketkeeper batsman and, and Josh Butler came back and he's, you know, he's played one or two you know excellent innings but there hasn't been that sort of consistency that weight of runs that you need from your wicketkeeper and you know his, his catching rate is actually not that bad he's around about 92% Andy Zaltzman the BBC statisticians has looked it up but I suppose well here definitely and the point you were making uh, before the break that chances are a premium so if you drop one it's really highlighted because England don't create as, as many as they do at home and then you know there was I think there was one against Pakistan was there a miss stumping at pa- against Pakistan at Old Trafford and that was highlighted as well it felt like a crucial moment at the time but actually Butler came out in the second innings uh, England chasing and playing magnificently and with Chris Wokes helped England win that test match at Old Trafford where there are no spectators it was a brilliant game of cricket and, and Butler in the end triumphed over Adversity. I mean, the, the thing is, when you start losing, you start to look at, 
individuals in the side and you start to think well how can you improve it and people start to say he shouldn't play and he shouldn't play and he shouldn't play but it, it seems to me Oz unless there, you know, unless some players redeem themselves in the second innings England 2-0 down you know England might well have to look you know, to look at changes whether they will change the team or not I, I don't know because the problem is the players who haven't you know, who might come in haven't been playing either you know something like Zach Crawley well just hasn't been playing Bester hasn't been playing so what do you do do you take out the players who've actually got some middle time or, or and replace them with players who haven't it's not it's not an easy situation is it? it's not it's not an easy problem to solve very difficult and this is the the problem when you start losing you know uh, and the losing gathers momentum and you change your team and that makes it even worse and the, the, the opposition get confidence from the fact that you've had to change your team and new people come in and they're not even, they don't know what to expect. I mean, just looked up Bairstow's stats there, actually, and at number seven, he averages nearly 39. Mm. It's his best position for England. He's been moved up and down the order. In fact, he's batted in every position between three and eight, and uh, his average at number three is 30. It's number four, 10, number five, 27, but at number seven, he averages nearly 39 with 300s and 650s. So, you know, that could be an option for England. And, you know, he's, unfortunately, he's one of those people, he's a sort of hokey-cokey, isn't he? He's in and he's out and he's in and he's out and he's up and he's down and he's moving it all around. I mean, it must be quite hard to get stability for somebody like him, really. Yeah, and, and do they go back to that option of, of, of Bairstow's wicketkeeper batsman after jettisoning it and bringing in... Butler, or do they move on? They say, well, actually, no, we, we, we need to go to Ben Folks, you know, uh, next in line. And, you know, th- th- there'll be decisions taken at the end of this series, especially if it goes really wrong from here. I mean, it looks like 2-0, I would say. I mean, who knows how it could end up. We both predicted 3-1 at the, at the start of the series. And you, you might say at the moment, if England lose 3-1, they might be quite you know, relieved to get out with 3-1. You know, it has the, at the moment, it has the sort of makings of 4-5-0 again. Um, but, you know, that, that, but... You know there are signs. You know, Root Milan has just shown that, that it's, a, it's possible that they can get together and build big partnerships. But it, it needs more to join in. And wh- where are they going to get the the twenty wickets from economically enough to put pressure on well, Australia? They're going to get twenty wickets if they score the runs. You you just have to get the runs, don't you? Have to get the runs on the board. And so Stokes is going to be a big uh, sort of focal point, isn't he, over the next couple of Test matches? I mean today. He seems to go from one extreme to the other. He either blocks or tries to smash it. And obviously he was put under a bit of pressure today because he was batting with the tail. And so he had to do something. But he became, he went from literally strokelessness to trying to smash every ball for six. And I don't think that's kind of that wise either. And he needs to find a, okay, so he hasn't played any test cricket for a few months, but he needs to find a tempo and he, I felt he he just got stuck a bit. He does want to sort of make sure he applies himself early in innings and be dogged like Labuschagne and Smith were in, in the Australian innings. But he's got to find some scoring avenues as well and, and put the pressure back on the bowlers a little bit, especially number five. You know, numbers three and four, if you're coming in fairly early on, you have got to re-stabilise and, uh, you know, stabilise the innings. But, you know, coming in at number five... Especially on a, in a good situation where it was what 150 for two or something, maybe a bit better. 170 for two. 100. It came in at 150 for three. Yeah, 150 for three. So you know you you you've got the chance there to to move the the scoring on, but he seemed to get stuck. 
so you know he needs to find that that batting rhythm as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's slightly harsh. I'm I'm going to defend Ben Stokes. Uh, for this reason, is that he, he came in 153. Soon after, it was 157 for four. Soon after that, it was 164 for five. Then 160 for nine for six. So you know he was watching on at the other end. Okay, admittedly he, he you know and, and he hasn't had much cricket and he was he sort of feeling his way. And I, I think at the Gabba, you know, Joe Root sort of admitted afterwards, you know that he, he that, that Stokes was rusty, didn't have a great game at the Gabba, just finding his rhythm. So he's he's sort of finding his way. At the same time, he comes in, he sees wickets falling at the other end, and I I, I sort of actually felt today well he, he you know he's dig- at least he's staying in which is more than you know most of his colleagues were doing in that in that middle order you know he was showing some grit he was he was toughing it out and then in the end you know the only reason he got out is because he, he had to play some shots uh, you know eight down he, he was actually looking pretty solid and also it didn't really look like getting him out but the problem is he had he had no support at the other end so I I, I don't think he, he's uh, open to criticism uh, today. Yeah, you, of course you'd like him to score a bit quicker and you'd probably expect him to score a bit quicker, but A, he hasn't much cricket and B, had no support from the other end. So, uh, you know, I, I I think today, I, I actually quite admired that, actually. I thought there was a sort of element of, right, well, you, you know, you buggers are getting out. I, I'm damn well not getting out. It's, you know, there was a bit of that about him and I didn't mind that at all. I thought it, it needed some something like that. I mean, England, we haven't seen enough of that. It's, it, that middle order is too brittle. It was too brittle at the Oval on the final day. It just got blown away. Okay, Bumra bowled well, but, you know, it was just, it, it's just like blowing over a paper house. And it was a bit like that today as well. It's just too easy. And I, I'm sure, you know, lots of people back in the UK are saying that as well. You know, England shows some fight, and I think Ben Stokes did that. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticise him for that innings today. 34 from 98 balls. Let's see a few more of these players bat for 9,800 balls. Anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there we go, Yoz. Uh, so Australia in a totally dominant position. 282 runs ahead. Nine wickets left. Two days left. The ball is, is spinning and, and bouncing uh, for Nathan Lyon. Er- everything's in Australia's favour. Even the rain tomorrow, yours, that's forecast for tomorrow in Adelaide is in Australia's favour. Because do you know when it's going to fall? In the morning. In, in the morning. <laughs> so even that's in their favour. So every, everything's going their way. And they, you know, they've totally earned the position they are in. You know, England have, have been feeble. Uh, to some extent or to a large extent, ball in the field and, and with the bat, apart from you know, a few notable exceptions. So what is going to be the close of play uh, score tomorrow after four days? Australia I mean, are batting under very little pressure in that first session tomorrow. 90 overs in the day. What is going to be the close of play score? I, I might go score. first. Yeah, you can go first. Um, what is your score at the close of play? England 40 for three. 40 for three. Okay, I'm going England 80 for four. That's my close of play score. I think Australia will will pull out uh, around about the the T interval, something like that, giving England a full session uh, to bat. And I think it's going to be quite tricky. The, you know, the pressure's going to be on. They'll have been in the field for another, you know, and, and it's so demoralising as well. You you, might, you know this as, as a former bowler. It's so demoralising when you're almost not bowling for wickets. You're bowling for a declaration. You know it's coming sometime. You can't control the rate. You you know, you can't you can't get anyone out. You can't sort of get enough wickets to put pressure on a batting side. And you are you just know there's a declaration in sometime in the future, or they're going to get bowled out playing lots of shots, but they're going to have masses of runs on the board. So it's, you know it's it, it's it's a tough situation to be in as a as a bold as a field as a captain. Yeah, well, England needs some some new heroes uh, from somewhere, and I say that because uh, we've created this 
NFT collection, Ashes Heroes, a hundred of the, the greatest Ashes Heroes that have ever played the game, played for the, in this fantastic rivalry between England and Australia. Uh, check it out, actually. And if you're not uh, an NFT fan or you don't even know what it is, you might still quite enjoy reading the site because I've assembled these hundred players and done biogs about them and tried to kind of tell the story and the history of the Ashes through it. So go and have a look at that uh, site ashesheroes.com and there are some interesting options there to buy or bid for nfts non-fungible tokens digital art uh, to add to your or start your collection it's going to be a big thing the nfts in the future so get into it now before you everybody else is talking about it and you don't know what it is um that's my advice to you simon uh, but maybe <laughs> okay. you should just go to bed yeah, it's quite late here. It's um, coming up to coming up to uh, midnight. It's not very sociable these these day night test matches. I and mean, one one thing about a day test is you know you you do your day's work and then you can go for a drink and a, a meal in the evening and meet friends and colleagues and all that sort of thing. But in this situation, uh, yeah, it, it, it's bedtime because you're absolutely shattered right at the end of a. A day's you can have a play, nice long it? leisurely breakfast though instead, can't you? Well, you can, you you can do yeah. I'm I so I think I prefer to start my day at sort. of you know, nine, ten o'clock in the morning, really, rather than that sort of. What you're really annoyed about is the fact that you're missing your evening Pilates. <laughs> well, I have had to, yeah, dodge it a couple of times because of the because we're still at the creek. The other thing as well this morning is you talk about oh, yeah, you can have a long leisurely breakfast. This morning we had to go for our drive-in COVID test, our six-day COVID test in Adelaide. So we had to spend a couple of hours uh, in a in a long queue. Uh, waiting to go through a sort of tent in a park today to have our our COVID test. I'm still waiting for the results, actually. Um, I'm, I'm hoping they'll come back negative uh, sometime in, in the middle of the night. So, yeah, lo- long old day. Bed bed calls. Um, dreaming of, what, batting 150 overs to save a test match? Very, very unlikely. Well, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whatever uh, England's uh, calamities are, it's nothing compared to the, the suffering that a lot of uh, people have, exactly. have experienced through COVID. So uh, exactly. good luck to everybody. Uh, stay yep. safe and hope you can enjoy Christmas despite England's terrible performances and uh, a likely second defeat in this series. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow to try and give you uh, some kind of more uplifting news. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.